Podcasting from anywhere other than a jail cell, this is Soberholic, a podcast created to encourage, equip, and inspire you to overcome your hurts, habits, and hangups. And now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome back to Soberholic Podcast. My name is Roger. I'm in studio with the one and only Jason Rice. Yes. <laughs> you sound pretty excited. Uh, well, uh, sometimes I am, sometimes I ain't. You know, who knows? You must have had your coffee. Well, we, well, you know, I had too much coffee today. It's kind of the problem, but um, that just means I'll be up all night. Well, I've I noticed that like a true sign of me getting older is if I have coffee after like four or five in the afternoon, like I'm just going to be a wide awake till 2 a.m., no matter how tired I am. My wife gives me a hard time because I don't care what I'm doing. Come about between eight and nine, as bad as that sounds, usually closer to nine, I'm asleep. I'm yeah. out, dude. Oh, and, yeah. and when I lay down, like, I mean, I'm not kidding. Within five minutes, I'm out, if that long. Oh, uh, see, I, I have a little wind down. But, I mean, I still go to bed at nine, nine fifteen. So. Uh, dude, I'm out like a light. Yeah. I, mean, I, I can go to sleep about that quick like a light switch. Yeah, that's the way my wife is. She closed her eyes 30 seconds later, she's asleep. So, uh, let, anyway. Let, let me give this. So, before we get started today, because I always forget to mention this, and, and, and really I don't forget to mention it. I intentionally don't ever mention this because I hate to plug myself. But I'm going to do it, you know, because you, you have to do this. Uh, <laughs> um if you're if you're listening, I want to give you the opportunity to go and read my book. Um, there's times and times that we give out the free Kindle edition mm-hmm. on our on Facebook. You can get the link, and that happens. But the other times, you can go purchase the paperback or the Kindle edition of Soberholic the book. I call it um, Twelve Steps Later, and it's really my story of addiction and sobriety and how i did that and i wrote that with the idea of helping someone who's struggling with addiction or someone who doesn't really understand why their loved one is going through addiction so i tried to help it i tried to like i wrote it with my parents in mind like Mm -hmm. to help them understand why i did the things i did i wasn't intentionally trying to make their life I live in hell. I was just really trying to survive yeah. the best I knew how. And it kind of gives you the what's going on in the mind of an addict. Right. And so um if you're if you're interested, you can go and do that. Um the best place to find it is Amazon, Soberholic, Twelve Steps Later, um, author Roger Bowes, you can find that. It's a really simple read. Uh it takes about three to four hours to read that. I mean you could literally read it in one sitting. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I did write it not very educated because I'm not. Um, I, I wrote it where it's very easy to read. But thankfully, I had a great uh, publisher, Jason Dollar, went in and made it sound much better than what I speak like. Oh, he spruced it up for you. Uh, huh? uh, he did. A, he did a great <laughs> job. It's good to have good friends. When's your uh, second book coming out? I don't know, man. I've, I really, I do want to write another one. And he even told me that he would help me um, put it all together because there's a lot that goes into a book. You know, I didn't just wake up and and do that book. It it took months to get that to a finished stage. And I, I'm really, as is our our previous president Trump would say, I'm really proud of myself. You really, proud? <laughs> really proud of it's myself. It's the best book ever. But it was cool to see how God had used my story and changed it. Yeah, I bet that helped you process through it, too. It did, and yeah. it's helped because uh, I've gave that book to several people, especially key figures in that book, like a child that I uh, I no longer have. Um, 
I gave that book to him. Right. His um, yeah. grandfather's read that book. I've gave that book to, to many people who would have never read or really know my whole story, and mm. now they do. Mm. So it was really cool. And, and, and thank you to all you who have began putting some reviews on there because uh, I did have this titled as something else a long time ago. And we retitled it to make it um, fit more into our podcast and what we do and our branding. And so those those reviews didn't transfer over. So we're trying to rebuild those reviews. And so even if you've listened to or read it, um, go and put a review on there if you want to do that. So. I guess I need to put a review on there for you. Huh? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough of my shameless plugs. Now, what I want to talk to us about today, talk to us, talk to you about, and talk to our listeners about is something cool. I, I think it's cool. Anyways, um, we talk a lot about alcoholism. We talk a lot about drug addiction. Um, and I don't when did AA start? Was it in the thirties? I wanna say thirty seven. 1937 or so? I'll go with that. I was yeah. going to say 35. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to say in the 30s. That's usually when I think of our oldest alcohol-related publications, you right. know, because you start talking about the big book and uh, some of those things. And I'm like, you know, that's when addiction started. Right, yeah, that's yeah. when recovery started. Yeah, yeah you know, that's when recovery started. But, you know, even with me, I'm thinking – well, that's when addiction started because, you know, a solution comes with a problem. Yeah. You know, what did they do before AA? Because, you know, they were having a hard time. Was it Dr. Silkworth? They outlawed alcohol. Yeah. That's how they dealt with it. <laughs> well, then you had moonshiners, you know, yeah. uh, making bathtub gin. Right. So, I mean, so, so I, I don't know. Uh, I was always like under the impression, nobody taught me this, but, you know, that's when you began to read about alcoholism and addiction was in the 30s. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not necessarily true, I've come to find out. I, I, I've said so many times on here, even as we've done this other series we do periodically about these biblical references, you know, that we talk about biblical characters, mm -hmm. and we talk about how they can relate to addiction. And I, I ran across one of these things the other day in my Bible, and and I'm not trying to preach, really, I'm not. But I want you to close your eyes. Okay. And I want our listeners just to just simply close their eyes. I'm going to read this little bit of scripture to you, and I want you to tell me if you. I shouldn't have even told you it was coming from the Bible. I shouldn't have called it scripture. Is what I should not. Oh well, done. it's too late. Um, but I, I, I dropped the bomb. Um, so I want you to I want you to hear this and tell me what kind of person this would identify to you. Okay. So here it goes. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, do not gaze at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. You will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging, saying, they hit me. You will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me. But I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I will find another drink? Man, that's that's an alcoholic. There's no doubt that is an alcoholic all day long, and I can relate with so much of what this right here says. I mean, they they had the alcoholics number dialed in. Oh, there's no doubt, and this was written. I don't know exactly, but about twenty six hundred years ago. Yeah. 
a lot a long time before 1930 yeah somewhere around 1050 bc probably somewhere around in there and so for those who are curious now that's in proverbs um uh, i think that's in proverbs 23 uh verses 23 29 through 35 is where you can find that and you know when i read that i was like man um then I can relate with this. Oh, yeah. A lot of the Bible I may not get. I mean, I, <laughs> when, when we talk about saints, it's hard for me to relate with that. Um, even though I, I know that I am um, now that I'm in Christ. But when I read this, I'm like, nah, yeah, I get this. I'm an alcoholic like this dude. Yeah. Um, so let's just I, go I, through it. Do what? Let's just go through it. Let's talk about it. So who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? <laughs> Did you complain when using addiction? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, you know, to me, I start thinking, when I read this part, I start thinking about resentments. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, you know what they say about resentments? It's the number one offender. Right. And so, like, all of my addiction was totally fueled by by some form of re, of re, resentment, either if it was some, for, you know, against somebody else I had a resentment towards or if it was to myself, you know, oh, you know, that that, that person did me wrong, I'm going to show them, you know. Um, or I would show up drunk or high to work, and then they would fire me. And then, it's their fault. And it was their fault. Yeah, why for, would they fire you? For doing me wrong. A and number so one they, employer? Yeah. I mean, you got the plaque <laughs> and all, didn't you? <laughs> oh, man. And so then I would go home and just... You know, it would just be fuel to the fire to keep drinking and using. I'll show them. I'll get drunk. And that's the way I I live my life. And it was all about those. And I don't eat real. What is strife? Strife is like uh, adversity. Okay. Yeah. And see, this is my good point to people who don't read the Bible. You don't have to know every word to make this make sense. No, no. Um, and I mean, there's, you know, you're reading out of the NIV. Yeah. and the, I mean, there's other versions that put it more, even more in everyday language and stuff. Right. But this next line was like 100% me. Who has wounds without cause? There's this picture Bias says needless bruises. Need, uh, yeah. Who has needless bruises or wounds <laughs> without cause? So, like, there's a picture that we shared, or I shared it on our Twitter account last year. It's a picture of me, you know, when I was in active addiction, and then it's a picture of me, like, sober. And the picture in active addiction, I mean, like, my, I got, like, like cuts and like mess sores all over your forehead. I got sores all over <laughs> me. I mean, I look like I just, like, headbutted a brick wall. And, you know, like most of the time when I was in, in addiction, I had just like weird wounds or, I mean, I, there was even some that was self-inflicted, you know, on myself. I'm missing a hand. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean. Yeah. I'm literally missing an appendix. Not an appendage, not an appendix. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, whenever I read this part, I was like, wow, you know, cause I mean, you, you know, whenever you see somebody in active addiction, like some, a lot of times they have, they have things going on that you just are like, what happened? Well, when I, when I read that, I, I didn't really think about even the missing hand, you know, cause I was drunk and high through all that. What I thought about is waking up the next morning and not really knowing what happened, but going to look at my car to see what was 
bruised on it you right. know yeah going did i hit someone is my car even there because there's been many times i've woke up and my car was not in the driveway what I had well, no clue where it was at that happened during my prom by the way <laughs> <laughs> it really did let me ask you this about your hand if you wouldn't have been like hung over do you think you'd still have a hand i'm sure you've you've played this out like many times we, th this was the hardest thing for me to do when i was doing my step work to admit that i played a big part of losing my own hand uh, i blamed as we were talking about earlier i blamed the army for doing that to me but i went in hung over from the night before and smoked a joint the day off so mm. you know my, my judgment was clouded mm -hmm. and my reaction time was not as good as it could have been so i have to say uh, yeah i would there's a good likelihood i would still have my hand mm. then the next verse those who tarry long over wine those who go to try to try mixed wine what does your version say well mine says those who linger over wine and go to sample bowls of mixed wine what i think about is um just going to do whatever you get a hold of yeah I always told people I was a drug addict to begin with. Um, I wasn't really sure if I was an uh, an alcoholic, even though I'd had four DUIs before I was twenty one. You know, there's a lot of indicators there, but you know, a lot of signs. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the truth is, I didn't really care if it was beer or whiskey or pills or pot. I mean, I just did whatever. You know, I just did did whatever was in front of me. And that's kind of what I, I see there. You know, this guy hung around too much with the wine. He stayed there. You know, a lot of times we'll, we'll hear, and you may have used this same excuse, well, Jesus turned water into wine, <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with wine. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and God made pot, so there's nothing wrong with smoking a little ganja. You know, I've said all of those things. If, it, if he created it, why would it be bad? Well, this guy took it to an extreme. Mm -hmm. You know, they made wine back there. There's a lot of reasons why there was wine being made. It just it fermented. They mm. were supposed to be drank before then. But they don't just dump that out. So they drank it as wine. It's good to dilute it with a little bit of water and not make it so stout. This guy was trying to get get a buzz. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the mixed wine, I'm a, I'm assuming that's talking about mixing it with either water or unfermented wine. Right. You know, which is kind of it reminds me of the the story in the big book of the of the guy who puts a little whiskey in his milk. You know, trying to <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it, trying to justify it. Well, I'm not want to hit every verse here, no, but it, no, it talks about how it, it, you know, um, it goes down smoothly, but in the end, it bites like a snake. You know, I, I always enjoyed getting drunk. I, I I loved it. I loved partying with my friends, but it, it I never knew when to stop. I lingered yeah. a little longer than the rest of my friends always did. And I always got a little drunker than the rest of my friends did. And the next morning, I woke up looking for my car, like I mentioned earlier. It was always something at the end. It it didn't affect me the same as it did everybody else. In fact, I saw what I, uh, those strange sights. You yeah. know, you <laughs> I saw all those strange, strange sights. And sometimes it was a stainless steel bed I'd wake up to. Yeah. And it was behind bars. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I like that. Uh, it, it's like it's it's like they were following me around uh, when this was written or something. It's just it's eerily <laughs> like accurate how 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 
how well they know the mind of an addict or an alcoholic, you know? And the reason why is because this is a problem as old as time. Of course. It's always been around. Um, and your your heart will utter perverse things. Man, whenever I was in active addiction, the some of the some of the stuff that I wrote in my journal when I, I, I you know some of this, like just the hideous, crazy stuff that I wrote. Like I still like I have all those journals and I probably should just throw them all away. Cause well, you're useless. not even sure what's true and false. Well, I know. Them. That's the thing is like th- there was several years ago when I went and lo- was reading through some of them because I would get drunk or I would get high and I would just journal away like crazy. <laughs> and there was some stuff in there I was reading w- one time where I was like, this is, this didn't happen. <laughs> so this sure. ain't even me. <laughs> I don't even know why I was lying. Like, because I, like even when I was doing it then, like I had no intention of anybody reading it. I didn't want anybody to read my journal. So I don't know why I was like lying to myself, you know. Well, well <laughs> mine goes on to say that your mind will imagine confusing things. To me, that even talks about what you're talking about right there. I didn't really know the reality anymore. Right. I mean, I had lied so much about so many things. I believed all these false things that were happening in my life. Nothing was clear anymore. Everything was foggy. And so everything was confusing in my mind. Uh, and and that happened even probably a year or so after I got sober, everything was still foggy and confusing because I thought that thing was, was getting better, but it wasn't until years later could I look back and go, wow, it was still pretty rough during those during that period of my life. Oh, yeah. This guy went on to, to relate to sleeping on the high seas and about – about how he was getting hit, but it didn't hurt, and, and they beat me, and he don't feel it, and um, you know, all of that ended with when will I wake up so I'll find another drink? Yeah. Um, I, I I think about going to the clubs and stuff through that, getting into fights with people, um, getting beat, and waking up hungover the next day, going. Man, I need a drink to get through this headache, mm-hmm. you know. And then thinking, when can we go out and do this tomorrow? Yeah. You know, when's the next time we're going out? Can't wait till next weekend. The insanity of the whole thing, over and over and over, did it go? Yeah. What What this little passage made me think about was how you know this is a problem, alcoholism, addiction. It's a problem that is as old as time itself. And yet we're living in, you know, 2021. And yet there's no, there's no modern medicine solution to it. There's no pill you can take that can cure it. Yeah, because in my, my mind, Suboxone and Antabuse and the other things that, that modern medicines came up with to, to help really isn't a solution. Um, it just kind of, it's a bandaid. It is. It, it's a, t- some, some of it. And we've talked about Suboxone here before, but it can be a tool to help, but it's not the end solution right. to the problem. And so the, we still haven't really fixed the solution other than it's a spiritual issue, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's a spiritual issue they were fighting with 2,000 years ago right. that we're still fighting with today. It's, it's 
it's this human desire to of selfishness. We we want it our way, and um, it's not until we like turn to God. You know, it, it, our steps. You know, it reads that you know we've got to be willing to admit that we have a problem, and it it doesn't go into we need to make amends and all these other things. We we have to come to believe in something bigger than ourselves. This is where for a Christian we find Jesus. Right. Yeah. You know, and and there's I think there's so practical that the first thing we do is admit a problem and then we turn to God with it. Yeah. Uh, rather than you know admitting we have a problem clear up the records from our past, and then ask God to keep us this way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's all in order for a reason. And it it's the only thing that seems to work for me is yeah. working through these steps and realizing that if I'm going to fix a spiritual problem, then I have to have a spiritual solution. Mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. And I mean, I think I think addiction is definitely, at, at the root of it, a spiritual problem. But, I mean, some of it is also... It's physical, too. I mean, I do think that there's that element in there, you know, that um, whenever I use or drink alcohol, that something is physically happening in my brain that doesn't happen to somebody who's not an alcoholic or an addict. I completely agree with you. I do believe in, um, you know, that that in that sense, it is a disease. But if it was only a disease if it was only a physical problem well then modern medicine would have solved it a long time ago well that's the reason i don't believe antibuse or suboxone fixes our problem right it can only be used as a tool as you mentioned um but there's a, there's bigger underlying issues there we have to address yeah and, it, and it's like you said uh, you know it, we're trying to fill ourselves up and we're trying to satisfy our, ourself you know with with drugs and alcohol and, you know, that's just a symptom of, of that emptiness that we feel inside that only a relationship with God can can feel. And that's not that. Yes, that is my Christian perspective. But that's also the perspective of secular 12 steps also. Right. I mean, when you if you go to a secular rehab and they're going to give you the steps and they're. They're basically telling you that, hey, this is a spiritual solution, you know, which I find I find that very interesting and um, very reassuring at, at the same time. I remember the first time I went to a rehab, it was a secular place, and I had been out of, you know, I hadn't been to church in a long time and all that stuff. That wasn't even on my mind. And then they were talking about, they, they worked us through step one, two, and three. Right. And the third step, you know, turn your life over to God. And I was like, what in the world? <laughs> wait, you know, wait, you're saying this is the answer to my problem right, right. here. You've got to be kidding me. Give me the pill. I want the pill. <laughs> is there something else? To make this go away. <laughs> I thought the same thing. Yeah. There's so. got to be something else. Right. But thankfully, I had run out of options. Yeah. For me, yeah. That, that was it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I had to do this spiritual thing or... It, it, it was done. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was completely out of options. Yep. Well, I don't know about you, but um, it, it's stuff like that that really brings the Bible to life to me and yeah. makes me really want to read it because even as a Christian, I don't wake up wanting to read the Bible every day. Um, some people are, are better at it than others, I'm sure. But for me, um, it is – it's these things right here that show me that um, it's real mm-hmm. and that it rela- it's relatable for me. It's mm-hmm. not just a, something that happened a long time ago. It's it's the same problems that are happening today. Yep. 
So um, if you um, can relate with that, we would love to hear about it. You can definitely email us at SoberHolicPodcast at gmail.com. If you know of something older, an older text that relates to alcoholism or drug addiction, um, yeah, let us know. Older than this one, I would love to know it because this is the oldest that I have ever heard. And best that we can date it is about 2,600 years ago. Yep. So um, I think that's the end of another one, man. Yeah, there we go. All right. My name's Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out soberholicpodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.